Amen. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we ask for your presence here today. Lord, we ask that you speak clearly to each and every person here, to their hearts, Lord God, and that they would know increasingly who they are in you, Father. Lord, I thank you for calling out sonship in your sons and daughters today, Father. Lord, that they would increasingly recognize that you've put your spirit on the inside of them, that they would increasingly know who they are in you, that they are forgiven, that they are forgiven a great debt, the debt would have, that would have weighed any one of us down and destroyed us, Father. You've forgiven us it. And Father, you've called us to a new life, a life of freedom in you, a life of freedom in your spirit, where we can walk with you free from the bondage of sin, free from having to do that which we desire not to do. And Lord, we ask, Father, that you would lead us deeper in our relationship with you. Father, that you would cause us to grow into maturity, as Paul prayed, that we would grow into the maturity of love that is available in Christ, that we would know what is the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of your love for us, Father. And Lord God, that that would transform our hearts. Lord, that when we step out in this world, Father, we would carry the presence of God, that we would carry Christ with us, Lord, and Lord, that we would be a light that shines to the nations, Lord, not just seeking to shine in our own little corners, but Father, shining and discipling the nations for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take your seats. Excellent. We're starting a, a new series today on conflict management. Amen. Peacekeepers or peacemakers. And um, I'll hopefully pull my punches today, but we're going to have some good fun. Now, this series, Conflict Resolution, is designed to help us move from uh, a realm of superficial relationship where we engage with people on the top level, the same old comments, the same dry engagement, moving to a much deeper level where we begin to know who we are and know who the other person is, to a place of open relationship. But much more than that as well, to, to demonstrate to us who we are called to be in the light of the society and nation in which we live. You know, we need to start lifting our eyes. We are engaging with one another so that we can begin to disciple not just this nation, but the nations. So whatever you're learning here today, whatever you're learning through this church generally, is with an intent to equip you to become a disciple of nations. Amen? To think bigger than the seat that you're in right now. To think about the people that are around you, not just here, but in your workplace. To think how you can make an amazing difference in their lives. And Colin and I, our senior minister, has been doing extensive work on this with the staff to begin to teach how to build deeper and more resilient relationships, how we can have not just professional relationships, but deeper relationships where we're united in vision and purpose for what we're seeking to do for Christ. And today's message is entitled, Peacemaker or Peacekeeper. And Matthew 5 verse 9, one of the famous verses that Jesus spoke out in the Beatitudes is Sermon on the Mount, the famous teachings of Christ. He says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I, I can't tell you how much it warmed my heart to turn that page open and to see right there in the middle of being a peacemaker, sonship. You know, it's one of the things that's close, close to my heart, and we, we preach a lot on that when we're here. The, I preach a lot on it when I'm here at the 2.30, but I believe that that is so core to us being a great influence of Christ, is to know who Christ has made us in the Father. Amen? To know that we have been made sons and daughters of God, that there is a different destiny upon your life. There is a different quality about you. There is a different nature that he has put on the inside of you. From the moment you put your faith in Christ, he called you a new creation. And every day you walk is about bringing that new creation reality to the fore in your life. That said, how do you interact with your environment? 
How do you interact with the world around you? Are you a participator? Or does life just happen to you? Do you just watch things go by? Is it possible that for you, life has got a little bit too comfortable, child of God? You look around, yeah, I've got everyone just where I want them. I'm happy. There's nothing challenging me. There's nothing wrong. Or maybe you're just so used to seeing challenge and difficulty in your life that you're wondering what the place of peace is. And yet God calls us to walk through challenges. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. How do we walk through life influencing our environment? How do we walk through life challenging those around us and being a disciple in the midst of difficult circumstances as well as good circumstances? Last week, we looked at the idea of what happens when we begin to blame everyone else for the lack of control that we have over our own lives and how we should set boundaries in order to protect what is most important to us and to take responsibility for the fact that our lives are called to be flourishing. But today, I want to take it to a, a different question for you with a specific agenda. Do you define your situations or do your situations define you? If you think about your friends, your family, uh, your work relationships, do you have a clear, value, a clear view on those relationships, where they're going, what they're about, and what you are sowing into the relationship as well as receiving from the relationship? Or do you find that your relationships are rather confused? Yeah, I know that I don't get on well with um, my brother. I think that we're supposed to be close because we're brothers, but I'm, I really just don't know how and go years without having a proper conversation to sort anything out. If you were to look at that, that would be a confused relationship. So if you think about your relationships, do you have a clear view, or are you in the middle of a, a convoluted, difficult situation that you are just letting happen to you on a regular basis? You might be looking at that title and just thinking to yourself, what's, what's the difference? Both of them sound good. A peacekeeper sounds pretty cool, but a peacemaker also sounds pretty good. Now, the, the problem between, or the difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker is as deep as the problem that has separated mankind from God for the whole of our existence. Because right at the core of the two is the issue of sin, is the issue of separation from God because of the sin that is in our lives. And it separates the two. Let me explain a bit what I mean. A peacekeeper contains within it the idea or an attitude of separation. You leave me to do as I want to do, and I will leave you to do what you're going to do. I'm going to behave exactly how I need to behave to make sure that you don't bring that gremlin with you the next time we have a real conversation. You know, sometimes there's chances where you're hanging out with people and you have an opportunity to say, hey, hang on, you know, last time we met, I really didn't enjoy that conversation. It wasn't edifying to me. You said some things which were particularly hurtful and untrue, and I have a problem with that. That would be the peacemaker conversation. But the peacekeeper conversation is, how are you doing? Everything good? We're cool, aren't we? Everything's all right. Because I don't want you to go freaking out because I tell you the truth. I don't want you to flip out because I tell you that you've got an attitude problem. So I'm going to be nice to you and maintain this hypocritical, false, superficial level of relationship. And you'll use a wide variety of tactics to do that. You know, maybe someone answers, asks the question, so what have you been thinking about God? Oh, you're not banging on about that again, are you? 
Why are you hassling me? I said I was going to do it. I said I was going to do the washing up. Hey, what's up? Oh, nothing. And in the meantime, they're like scratching their clothes and pulling their hair out. And how are you doing? Yeah, absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with me. It's gathering around a hypocritical, superficial relationship. You know, there's that famous example. All of us have experienced it. So let me use myself as an example, but I'm sure you'll all identify, where your mum comes in one day and says, it's your turn to do the washing up. Yeah, okay. Half an hour later. Okay, so about the washing up, Gabriel? Yeah, yeah, I'm just finishing watching this program. An hour later. Gabriel, come on now, we're not going to be able to eat dinner if you don't do the washing up. Yeah, 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 okay. Half an hour later. Gabriel, I'm not going to cook dinner unless you do the washing up. Okay, fine! Because I know that I want my dinner on the table. And you grudgingly get the dishes done. You grudgingly do what you've been asked to do. And then the next time when your mom comes to say, go do the dishes, you just grudgingly get up and do it straight away. Why? Because you don't want the hassle. You don't want that nagging in your ear every half hour for the next three hours. Anyone relate to what I'm talking about? Hey, it can cut both ways, ladies. It can happen to the guys and to the girls, all right? I'm not saying that the guys always get nagged. But it's true. Basically, we do what we need to do just to keep the peace, just so we don't get a hard time, just so we don't have to listen to one or the other complaining about different aspects of each other's characters. Now, a peacemaker, it would be incorrect to say that a peacemaker is someone who's willing to pay a price or accept the price in order to build relationships. That would be inaccurate because actually many people end up paying too expensive a price in compromise in order to maintain relationship. Oh, I'm going to give the best part of myself just to keep the relationship together. Oh, I'm going to just do exactly what you asked me to do, even if it gets me into trouble because I want to keep the relationship together. That is not what a peacemaker is about. A true peacemaker, as per the verse that I read earlier, is someone who makes peace around one person. A peacemaker doesn't seek to impose their will upon a situation. You will be at peace with me because of my beliefs, my values, my truth. That's not a peacemaker. That is a dictator, whatever tactics you might use to enforce that. But a true peacemaker makes peace around one person. That's the person of Jesus Christ, the one who's paid the highest price. When we gather around the person of Jesus, we have true relationship with him, and therefore have true relationship with one another. So in the example of the washing up, we remember Jesus Christ was a servant. Jesus Christ washed the feet of his disciples. I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. And I want others, the people that I'm ministering to right now, to, to know what Jesus is like. And so you serve. You go and do the dishes. You don't go running after and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, guess what? guess what? I did the dishes. Did you see? Can I get my medal and my pat on the back? No, you just serve. And they'll see. They'll see what you've done. They'll see the things that you begin to do in, in quiet and in secret, but they'll see the fruits beginning to spring up in front of them. The Bible says, so let your light shine before men. And I think also just to quickly mention this, that it's important that we reflect and give thanks. If you see somebody that has served you, say thank you. Have a bit of good grace. Have a bit of generosity of heart. Because they didn't have to. 
They wanted to serve Jesus and they wanted to show you Jesus. But they didn't have to. You can say thank you. Oh, no, no, you're Christians. You should do, do good stuff because Jesus says so. And I'm not going to say thank you for anything you do. Hang on a second. See, let's appreciate one another for the things that we do. As well as seeking to honor Jesus in all that we are. But to take it back to peacekeepers, what kind of an environment would breed a peacekeeper? We've already seen that it's something of the constant flow of a negative communication which begins to position someone to protect themselves so that they don't bring the real them to any kind of a conversation. But it's really built and developed in a culture of rules. The rules generally being, this is how I expect you to behave. So why won't you just do what I want you to do? Why won't you behave as I want you to behave? And we begin to use all kinds of tricks of the trade. Maybe it's the cold shoulder. Not talking to people until they begin to act as you would have them act. Maybe it's anger, where you just blow up when somebody says something that you don't like. Maybe it's manipulation. Maybe it's a little bit of tears. Maybe it's that guilt trip. Do I have to keep telling you this? Maybe it's super sweetness. I'm going to super sweet you until you, do what I want you, until you do what I want you to do. Or maybe it's the other side, lovelessness, where you just withhold love because you don't want to engage with somebody who's not behaving as you would have them behave. It's interesting the way that people develop in that kind of a situation. And there's varying degrees of effect that it has on you. So some, all of you will relate to somewhere along this spectrum. Some of you are so far to the I hate confrontation side that just the word confrontation, confrontation, is enough to get you feeling anxious. It's enough to get you feeling fearful. It's enough to get you thinking, I don't want to open my mouth because if I open my mouth, that person could end this relationship and I just don't want to. I'm really afraid of the fact that this relationship could be over or finished. And so I'm just not going to say what I'm really feeling or thinking. Just the word is enough to put fear in your heart. Or the other end of the spectrum where you've gone so hard and so I couldn't give two hoots what you think that you go around with it all hanging out. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. I don't care what you think about that. And if you don't like me, you can just fix up and deal with it because otherwise you don't have to hang out with me. I'm happy in who I am, so just go and sort yourself out if you don't like me. And somewhere in the middle, you'll find yourself. Somewhere in the middle, you'll find yourself becoming increasingly hard towards other people's feelings and emotions and the relationship that you have with them. Or you might be increasingly scared of being you in a relationship. And I'm not just talking about boyfriend, girlfriend, husband relationships, husband, wife, but relationships, the people that you hang out with on a regular basis. Next week, we're going to get a lot more into anger and anger management and all of that kind of stuff and why someone would use anger as a means of controlling another person. And then Esteban is going to be looking at restoring broken trust on the 19th. But today, I want to look at what affects all of us when, it engage, when we come to engaging with life. Will you begin to define your relationships? Will you begin to take control of your relationships and see Christ glorified in them? Why does your influence in your environment matter? It matters because all of us are looking for peace. Are we not? 
all of us are looking for peace and for rest. And many, everyone is harassed by sin in their life. Sin that has resulted in guilt, resulted in shame, resulted in emptiness, restlessness, anger, never being able to stop, being driven everywhere all of the time. Sin leads us to a place of anxiety and fear and even death. There is no peace there. And so we begin to have two options, the peacekeeper option, the peacemaker option. The peacekeeper option is the comfort zone option. Any of you in your comfort zone? No, I'm not in, in my comfort zone. I'm fine. Everything's perfect. Everything's just as I want it. Well, then you must be in your comfort zone. Because it's a place of, that is self-manufactured. This person doesn't talk to me the way that I like. Out. This person looked at me wrong. Out. My parents, they expect too much of me. Out. My brother and sister, they don't respect me. Out. Pretty soon, we've done a pretty good job of making sure that everybody that looks at us wrong is out. And only the people that talk to us right, look at us right, give us good gifts, speak well of us whenever we're not there, only those people get to be our friends. A way to check if you're in your comfort zone. Have you got anyone in your life that just rubs you up the wrong way? That just gets on your nerves? That really irritates you in a way that you just can't describe? Or have you got ex everyone exactly where you want them? See, God puts people in your life like that sometimes just to bring out the best in you. And you're busy bringing out the worst when you should be bringing out the best. But when you're in your comfort zone, you find that you minimally engage with people. You live in a controlled environment. You go to the same places regularly. You see the same places people regularly. You never invite anyone into your circle of friends. You resist change under any circumstance. Non-confrontational. I'm not going to have an argument with you. So much so that you, ref and even, you would even get to the point where you refuse to make peace with another person just in order to maintain your comfort zone structure. There are two problems with this position. The one is this, it's all an illusion. It's just a time bomb waiting to blow up in your face one day. There's going to come a time when you need friends. There's going to come a time when you need family. There's going to come a time when you need somebody who's going to remind you who you are. See, the person that is in sickness needs somebody to hold on to to remind them who they are. The person who's lost their job needs somebody to stand with them and pray and remind them who they are. How are you going to have that person if you've been so busy peacekeeping? The second problem is this, is what you're actually doing is making an allegiance with sin in your life. It's a bit strong, Gabriel. Why am I making an allegiance with sin? Why, because you're unforgiving, unloving, Unrepentant? Have I given you enough words there for sin? It is a sin to be unloving. It is a sin to be unforgiving. It is a sin to be unrepentant. It is a sin not to love others as God calls us to love others. What you're saying is, I would rather keep comfortable and compromise all of the things that Jesus tells me to do and sin because I don't want to get hurt by real life. Now, if you were to think about that word peacekeepers, you would probably think of some, a group like the UN peacekeepers, for example. Now, I'm not here to denigrate those who've given their life on the line, put their lives on the line for the quality of life of another. 
But at best, they're just a barrier between two warring groups. At best, they are hoping that one day some sort of a deal is going to be struck. But in many areas where they've been for a long time, they become the focus of aggression. Why? Because they're the ones that are keeping the warring parties apart. Destroy the blockade, and then you get to get back to having a good old war again and seeing what you want, your ideologies, your jealousies, your desires brought to the fore. At best, a UN peacekeeper prevents. It doesn't solve. I wonder, have, ever you, have you ever felt the same? Have you ever felt the same between your parents? Have you ever felt the same between, um, say, a couple where you're friends with both of them and you're the one in the middle when they begin to fight and begin to break up? Have you ever felt the same when you get messages sent via you to the other person and you to the other person? And you've wondered, I'm doing the best that I can do, but it's just not helping. It's just not doing anything to change. I don't know what more I can do because they're just not seeing eye to eye any longer. That's the position of a peacekeeper. Being a peacemaker is entirely different. A peacemaker can only truly be called a peacemaker when you are calling everybody involved to their true identity, just as you as the peacemaker are walking in your true identity. And what is that identity you're calling everyone to? It is who they are in Christ Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You cannot humanize a peacemaker. You cannot make peacemaking a humanism or humanist value. Why? Because peacekeeping is gathered around a superficial idea of relationship. Being a peacemaker is about gathering someone around the person of Christ. When you try to humanize peacemaking, you end up with political correctness. And the problem becomes, whose politics are the more powerful or more relevant? Becomes scalable, flexible, no longer defined. I overheard a conversation on the tube just the other day, and I was thinking to myself, this is amazing. Because these two guys, well, one of them was talking, the other guy was listening. You know those people where one just talks, the other listens? For about half an hour, I had to listen to the guy talking, and I didn't want to hear him. But the whole time... He was talking about PC, PC, P, you know, this man moved into this business development and he was incredibly PC and the work they're doing was very PC. And this other company, you know, they got in a bit of trouble because they're doing a lot, a lot of work in an African nation and they're not very PC. And this other, I was just sitting there thinking to myself, this guy is a PC evangelist. <laughs> He's talking about political correctness as much as I would talk about God. When you humanize peacemaking, you end up with political correctness. And political correctness can be abused at the whim of man just like that. Just think about other religions in this nation at this moment. They would spin political correctness to make it appear as if they're the ones that are hard put upon. And yet the truth is they get a lot of what they look out for, what their political interest requires. Look at a Christian. Christian loses their hotel or hostel simply for refusing to limit the type of people that they would have in their establishment on their Christian values. Now, I'm not here to say whether that is right or wrong, but to say that a Christian should be persecuted when a non-Christian would not be, that's wrong. That's political correctness spun the wrong way. Being a peacemaker is a function 
reserved entirely for Christians. Have you ever thought about that? Being a peacemaker reveals that you're a son of God. And you know by now, son also means son and daughter. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's more to this verse than many people would connect with. The reason is because we see the simple invitation, come to me, and everybody wants to run to Jesus. But there's much more in this verse. You see, when you come to Jesus, there's an exchange when you meet Christ. There's an exchange that happens because when you see Jesus, the challenge begins to reflect into your life. You look into his eyes, you look into his face, you know that this is the most perfect man to ever have existed, and all you see is your failure. All you see is your sin. All you see is your brokenness. And we have that encounter where we see glory and we want to turn from our sin. We're seeing glory and we want to turn from our sin and walk into glory. We want to walk towards the person of Jesus Christ. You see, when you come to Christ, there has to be a change in you. Jesus is perfect. He doesn't need a change. He's perfect in every single way. But when we come to him, the transformation has to happen in us. I say that because of this. You don't receive or cannot receive the peace of God, which is the only genuine lasting peace, the real peace that is given by him. You only receive that when you come to Christ. You cannot manufacture that peace. You cannot make your own comfort zone of that peace. The only way to experience peace is to encounter the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Psalm 4, verse 8 says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The peace that God brings is entirely different. Peace was made between us and our Father in heaven by the holy work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. The rules kept us in a position of a peacekeeper. Do this so that you don't get into too much trouble. That's the way we saw it. Let me try to keep up the Ten Commandments. Let me try and be a good person. And if you're still holding on to that lie that you're a good person... But the way God sees it, you aren't keeping the rules. So I will be forced to punish you. But I want relationship. And so he completed the former covenant of rules, the relationship with the law in Christ, so that he would make a way for a new relationship with us, a different covenant, that of grace. To bring the old culture, the re relationship with rules, into this new culture, the place of grace and relationship would be an error because the rules still breed death. If you have people preaching to you, you must do this, you must do that, you must do the other in church, they are still breeding death in your life. They are un unintentionally doing it. They want to call you to a higher level of righteousness. They want to say, listen, come up higher. But what they're doing by speaking the law over your life is putting you in bondage to the law. And you cannot help but sin when they do that. You cannot help but be shown the sinner that you are when they do that. And that's a failure of the church at large. Because, you see, people come into the church and, and we say, we're living in a different covenant. Yes? You agree? Yes, yes. 
I agree. But by our behavior on the inside, they're thinking, no, I don't agree. No, you're not living in a different covenant. You're telling me to do exactly what they would have told me that everyone else would have said you told me to do. They always said when I go to church, they're going to tell me that I have to quit this, quit that, quit the other, quit the other, quit the other in order to belong. The fact is that we've been made acceptable to belong by Jesus Christ. And he calls us to a higher level of living, not because he tells us how to come up, but because he lifts us up. He puts something in us which transforms us. He calls us new creations. He brings about a difference in our hearts such that when we desire a relationship with Christ, when we walk in relationship with Christ, led by the Spirit, increasingly all the things that are not ours to carry are left behind. How do you relate to people in church? Do you introduce an environment of life around you? Do you introduce an environment of encouragement? Do you introduce an environment of love? Or do you look down at people because they are not dressed right? They don't behave as you want them to. Maybe they said one word one time that you thought was a swear word and you don't want to talk to them again. Do you relate to people as if they are relating to you by your rules? See, the thing is, none of us are perfect. Except, you know, probably you. None of us are perfect at all. But we're called to model growth. We're called to walk towards perfection in Christ. We're called to increasingly let go of the things that are no longer us and pursue Christ and who he says we are. So there is always a tension in us. There is the perfection of the faith that we read of in Scripture, and it challenges us. Then there's the current experience of the consequences of our faith in us today. And some of those might not line up, but keep going for what Scripture says you are. Keep pursuing it. Don't ever sit down and compromise and say, I just can't do it. You're not supposed to do it on your own. You're supposed to do it in Christ. You're supposed to do it through the one who enables you to become who he calls you to be. How do we build this culture of life and abundance around us? The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Colin preached a great message on that last week. He'll do it much better than me, so go back and listen to that verse, the tree of wisdom, that message was called. But then there's this verse, and I'll read it from the New Living Translation. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Peace isn't nebulous. You can't just sit there and say, I have peace about the fact that I've decided to live with my girlfriend. Okay? It's anti-scriptural. It's not peace. It's your peace, not God's peace. We're talking about God's peace. Okay? So we can't do that. It's not nebulous. It is definable. Peace is realized in Christ who demonstrates to us our righteousness and freedom in him. When you find out how good Jesus says you are, how righteous he says you are, then you can have peace. That's the only place to find true and lasting peace. The peacemaker will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. If you want righteousness out of a relationship, if you want righteousness out of yourself, out of the one you're talking with, then sow peacemaking. Let me begin to just unpack this, what this looks like um, practically for us. The peacekeeper has no meaningful communication of who they are, what they believe, no genuine relationship. One of the challenges when you have a situation where you have one peacemaker and one peacekeeper is that you're going to run into difficulty if you're trying to get somebody to line up to your opinion of peace. 
The peacemaker will never be truly effective at deepening the relationship and let's say first inspire the person who's a peacekeeper to pursue Jesus above everything else. When you're both aligned to the same target, when you're both going the same direction, when you're both pursuing Jesus, then you can genuinely make peace. So your prerogative, if you're in a situation with a peacekeeper and you're trying to bring them to a resolution, a peacemaking resolution, then first pray for them to see who they are in Christ. First, get on your knees and labor with God like Paul labored over the Ephesians, that they would know who they are in Christ, that they would be grown up in the, in the love of God, that they would know the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of God's love. That's how you begin to make peace with somebody who wants no relationship. Pray for them to experience Christ for themselves. Both parties have to have some desire, even if it's this small, to pursue Jesus deeper. Now, there are certain barriers that you need to maintain when I'm talking about things like this. Don't go running back to your ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just need to make things all right, peacemaking and all of that. You're probably going to end up in a mess. Don't do that. But your family members, your friends, the ones that you're conscious that you've cut off and the Holy Spirit speaking to you about them even now, those ones are the ones that you need to begin to begin to work with. And if you've put up barriers to them, you might have had to put up barriers to them. But understand this, if you've put up a barrier which contains unforgiveness in yourself, you're positioning yourself to explode. If you still have unforgiveness and you set a barrier without dealing with those issues, you are going to go crazy. Thinking about it, or when it all hits the fan, kaboom. If you need to keep separate from people, make sure your heart is clean. There's that parable Matthew 18. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. He wasn't able to pay. So his master commanded he be sold with his, sold with his wife and children and all that he had so that he could pay. The servant begged him, Master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And the master was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. This is the bit that hits us. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him but a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that he had done. His master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? There's a responsibility for each one of us to forgive. And then there's a responsibility for each one of us to seek to make peace. And when you begin to walk this path of making peace, you're going to enter into the conflict zone. I'm going to actually open my mouth and I'm going to tell you what I think. It's a risk. You might lose a friend, but you might gain a brother. You might offend your boyfriend for the hundredth time, but you might see your husband in his response. And you might see that it's not meant to be him. You may end up hurting yourself, 
but you may also end up more healed than you ever thought possible. When we begin to walk that walk of peacemaking, we have to take risks for relationship on the other side, for true, genuine relationship, not superficial, hypocritical deception. The rules of conflict resolution are this, that we've got to remember forgiveness. No one is superior to the other. You've got to apologize to me. You just don't know how badly you treated me. I'm all right. I didn't do anything wrong. You're the one who did everything wrong. That's not the way it works. Everybody's got some forgiving to do. Everybody's got something to learn. Everybody has said something in a situation which has provoked a response, which has provoked a response. Both of you need to apologize. Forgiveness is paramount. You need to keep your love turned on. We talked about this last week. Our disposition to our closest loved one, our friends, our family, to our enemies is to love one another. And then we call to gather around Christ, to call out the awesomeness that is in each person that is found in Christ. You see, when we come into a conflict, what we're seeking to do is bring out the best in each other, to bring out the best of Jesus in us, to begin to show one another how great we actually are. We don't have to go away with this sulking, oh, that's something that hurt me. No, I hear what you say. I thank you for having the honesty to speak truthfully into my life. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. I'm going to change. See, one of the great things for me was when I, I was looking at a friend and I thought this guy was going to leave the church if I challenged him on his girlfriend. But he looked at me and he said, thank you. And within a week, he'd moved out. Within three months, it actually worked out that they broke up because he was in deception in that point in time. But he, he looked me in the eye and he said, thank you. I thought to myself, wow, I could have lost a friend, but I've gained a brother. But in that, I called out who he was in Christ. I reminded him, you're a son of God. You're called to honor God with your body, first and foremost. And you're called to honor your wife, who you might not have met yet. You're called to honor them both. And until you find that person, honor him. Look after your body. And he came back, yes, thank you, Jesus. And as you begin to progress through that, you might end up in a, a place none of us wants to end up in, the agree to disagree. But at least you've spoken your mind. At least it's out there in the open. But the end goal really is this. To get to the place of open relationship where both sides are known, there is no lies and he said, she said, and people thinking different sides of the story, the whole picture is seen. And there is a decision to center your lives around Christ. Romans 14, 19 says this, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. God calls you to edify one another. He calls you to build one another up. He wants you to experience peace, and it is found in the place of open relationship with one another. Will you become a peacemaker today? I want to just finish with one more thought. There is one who made peace with you, and have you responded to the peace that he's made with you? See, everybody before they come to Christ are peacekeepers before Christ. Jesus, I think you're great. You died on the cross. They tell us this great story. You nailed on the cross. You took all of our sin, took all of our shame. Great. You know what? I'm going to find you the day that I die. I'm just going to wait. And then the moment before I die, I'm just going to, Jesus, I need you now. Okay, thank you. Great. I'm in heaven. Great. But until then, I'm just going to live how I want to live. Okay, you stay over there. Nice corner. I'm going to live how I want to live. We've all done that. 
We've all refused to respond to the open invitation that Jesus Christ gives to us. But there is a place and a call upon your life. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, Jesus came to make peace between you and your Father in heaven. Will you cease to be a peacemaker, seeking to keep yourself protected in your comfort zone, away from the one who created you? Or will you become a peacemaker? Will you submit to the one who has called peace upon you? Will you say to him, Father, I thank you that you came to find me. I thank you that you showed me who you are. I thank you that you forgave me all of my sin. I thank you that the simple response you call from us is that we would put our faith and trust in you. If that's you today, I want us all to just pray real quick. There was a a girl I was talking to earlier on. I think she's still, maybe she's gone, but she said, I want to meet Jesus. She met Jesus just like that. And he came into her life and she just left with this massive smile on her face. So good. You can leave with this massive smile on your face and more than that, peace with God. The peace that passes all understanding in your life. Church, can we pray together? Loud and strong. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to make peace with us. Lord, we recognize we've been in the peacekeeper role. We've kept you outside of our lives. We've used you as a barrier. But Lord, we want to take those barriers down. So we put our faith in you, Jesus. We thank you for dying on a cross for us. We thank you for forgiving us our sin. We ask that you'd cause us to be at peace with your Father. In Jesus' name. Now, for those of you who prayed that prayer for the first time, simple response is I want you to put your hand up. Simply to say, this was me. I need to meet God. Now, no one's looking around, and we've all done this before anyway ourselves to get here today. But I want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it for yourself, would you just raise your hand in the air and just say, yes, I need to know my Lord and Savior, my peacemaker in my life. Just boldly stick your hand up in the air. Is anyone here today? Okay. You don't feel ready yet? Come and speak to us afterwards. We would love to help you with that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you, Father, that you've called us to be peacemakers, those who are sons and daughters of God, to replicate and demonstrate our Lord Jesus Christ in the places of influence that you've given to us. Father, receive our lives. Cause us to be bold enough to step outside of our comfort zone, to desire genuine open relationship, to desire to be known and to know others. To be bold enough to speak our minds, Father, but to speak out the truth in love and to see the way that relationships change because of that honesty. Father, we thank you, Father, for fruit from this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Thank you, Jesus. If you're new to the church, come forward and say hi. We've got a welcome team here. They'd love to meet with you, help you find your place here in the church. Colin is going to be here at the 5 p.m. service talking on the three anointings of Jesus Christ, that he was our king, our priest, and our prophet. He wants to share something powerful with you today. And then this evening, 7 o'clock, Bruce Atkinson. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your week. See you all very, very soon.